Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And welcome back to yet another episode of the Uncommon Drive podcast, where we are more uncommon than you could possibly believe, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the title. That's for How sure. are we doing today, Jeff? Good. We are podcasting today. Woo, boy. I'm watching this Netflix series called um, Clarkson's Farm. Okay. You might like it, you know, All right. you being a farmer. That's right. <laughs> um there's only two series right now. They're going to make a third season. I'm season. I'm sorry. I'm writing it down right now because to find a show that my wife and I can both agree on yeah. and just go watch, that's a win in Clarkson's the OZ household. Farm. So, Clarkson's Farm. He, yeah, Clarkson Farm. And I, I forget his name. Well, Clarkson. Jeremy Clarkson, I think is his name. And he actually had a, a reality show um, that was on, like, um, whatever, Speed Channel or whatever. He was... Oh, is this the guy that did the like top drive or yeah, whatever yeah, top, that is? Yeah, yeah top, whatever that top speed, whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he did the English version, I think. And yeah. Then he also yeah. did the American version. Well, they've since shut that show down or not on that show anymore. So he's doing his own race and he's bought, he has like whatever, five, 700 acres. Oh, wow. And he's trying to be a farmer. And I said, how we're podcasting. Mm-hmm. Well, the first time he got in his tractor and started plowing, he goes, I'm farming because <laughs> he was driving a tractor. I'm right, farming. Dude. So since we're recording, we're podcasting. We're podcasting. Yeah, Clarkson yeah. Farm, great. I, it, you know, you'll. I think you'll enjoy it. It's uh, it's pretty funny. It, it's happening over COVID. Yeah. So you get to kind of relive the whole COVID scenario, and uh, how he's trying to help out the community by oh, yeah. you know ha- you know having local farms and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of cool, and he's kind of against the restrictions that they put on mm-hmm. him as a farmer. He's like, I just want to help people. And you're telling me I, I can't because I have a shingled roof instead of a tin roof or whatever. So yep. yeah. Clarkson's oh, farm. Good one. Good stuff. We'll definitely check it out. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on a couple different ones. Uh, Clarkson farm is definitely, uh, there was another one though that I, uh, it just came out and okay. I think it was on Amazon, but it's just a TV show or a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out over Easter. Uh, airplane pilot dies okay. with Dennis Quaid in it, and he has to. He's only flown a plane once. It was a. It was based on a true story, and him and his wife and his kids had to find a way to land this jet because it was just a private jet over Easter that they rented. Oh wow! It's a great movie. Great movie. Very cool. So, yeah. Sorry about that. Well, there you go, folks. On the Uncommon Drive, you not only get thoughts <laughs> yeah. about life, leadership, and legacy, you also get Netflix suggestions. So, if we were Cisco and Ebert, which one would I be? <laughs> so wait, are they both dead now? 
I don't know. That's horrible. When I was a kid, I I used to literally watch that show. Oh yeah, I was watching. Did you wait for the end for the thumbs up or the thumbs down? Big big stop. My kids don't have a clue who Siskel and Ebert is. Yeah, that's because they Google it. Yeah, they they Google is this movie any good, and then the community tells you where we were. In yeah. our age, we were dependent on... Back then, we needed a thumbs up or thumbs down. Now, you get a Rotten Tomato score. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what right. you get. Because you know, I would be in line man. for the movie. Like, hey, listen, Cisco and Ebert gave it a thumbs up. We're like, well, let's watch it. Let's that's go. Right. We're in, man. Yeah. See, I cared about that some growing up, but I knew the popcorn was always going to get a thumbs up. Yeah. And so that, for me, was more important than whether mm. or not the movie was good. Popcorn. It's been a long time since I have movie popcorn. Long time. It's... Mm. Very tasty. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's very tasty. So and, good. And my wife, I know she's listening. She does not like the way I eat popcorn. Oh, really? Yeah. You have a unique consumption of popcorn? Well, I don't think she likes the way I eat anything. <laughs> Anytime I put any kind of substance in my mouth, she's like, shut up. <laughs> she's like, we got to be kidding me here. So, pop. <laughs> So popcorn has its own unique problem, right? Okay. So most normal people would take two or three kernels and put it in, and they would chew it. And I would probably chew it with my mouth open. She would not be happy about it. But I tend to kind of take bigger handfuls, and I, you know, funnel it in, right? Yeah. Well, in a movie theater, it's dark. Yeah. And you kind of feel like you're your own person right there. So I tend to maybe get a little elevated when I eat the popcorn. <laughs> I start picking up speed, and I got a big funnel going. And it's coming down on my chest, and you know, and the lights come on in the back of the end, and I got you know this 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 uh, chalk line, this crime scene chalk line around me of popcorn kernels, and my wife's like, she gets so embarrassed. So, yeah, we don't have to do that very often anymore. So now we just Netflix it. But yeah, it's it's a. Uh, Pop movie popcorn is really really good with some extra butter on it and a great big diet Pepsi. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I could live off of it. Yep, diet Pepsi. For those of you watching on YouTube, we yeah. keep setting this out, just hoping that <laughs> Pepsi will pick us up as a sponsor at some yeah. point. Well, uh, typically I have Polar Pop. So That's right. Let's go back. Let's let's rewind a little bit. Okay. We had this discussion many many weeks ago about the sip and save. Sip and save. Yes. Right. I drink Diet Pepsi. Yep. If I would have had the sip and save, guess what? What? Diet Pepsi out of order. I know. Today at Aroma Park, it's out. It started last night. Last night. That's exactly. So, <laughs> I know. This is, this is so sad for y'all. <laughs> we even know this. I went to I went to the to the Circle K in Aroma Park yep. last night mm-hmm. between 10.15 and 10.30. Yeah. Something it was out like earlier that. than that, yeah. And so I, I always pay for my polar pop or my sip and save or whatever before i go get it i just like stop by the counter on the way especially if there's nobody in line yep, I that way i don't thing. have to wait online mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i go i order that way i can go do whatever grab my drink and go mm-hmm. so i pay yeah. and then i get over there and diet pepsi's out so yep. I'm like, oh you're kidding me so now now it's broke broke yeah it's, it's like not nope, working not just carbonated water coming out it's broke yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. it's it's not working so i don't know if there's out of syrup for that or what it is yeah, but i don't know they don't have diet pepsi so I dealt with that because I can drink Diet Coke. It's not my favorite. I prefer Diet Pepsi mm. over Diet Coke. But I'm sipping safe, so I'm going to lose it. 
one way or the other, right? I either get my drink for the day or I don't. That's part of why I went there at 1015 last night because I hadn't had my sip and save okay. yet. Yeah. So I went there and I got Diet Coke and I drank Diet Coke last night. Yeah. I'm a hard no on Diet Coke. Yeah. The only way I'll drink Diet Coke is if like I'm at a restaurant and I just have no other options. I'll drink a Diet Dr. Pepper, a Diet Sprite, Diet anything besides Diet Coke. I hear, I got good friends that will stop at McDonald's for the Diet Coke. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. I'm telling you, and, and this is the funny thing. So before I lost all my weight, okay, I was a Diet Coke only guy. Like <laughs> really? to the point that I had like Diet Coke memorabilia. Like I would, <laughs> there's a, I had people like w- when it was time for my birthday or whatever, they would bring me 12 packs of Diet Coke. My stepdad, Harlan, to this day is a Diet Coke guy. And it worked out great because we both drank Diet Coke. And so it was always around. Well, when I started losing my surgery, losing my weight and everything, I went for about two years without having soda at all. Mm. Zero carbonated beverages of any kind. Hmm. During that time, I turned to unsweetened tea with Splenda in it. Okay. Okay. So I got used to the flavoring of Splenda. Hmm. Okay. Now, during that same period, Diet Pepsi changed their formula. Yeah. And they used to be sweetened with aspartame yep. the same way that Diet Coke is. Yep. And back when they were both flavored with aspartame, I liked Diet Coke better than Diet Pepsi. But during that time that I had not had beverages anymore, those you know carbonated beverages, I... Diet Pepsi switched to Splenda mm-hmm. or sucralose. And so then when I came back to drink, since I had been so used to sucralose for having Splenda in my unsweetened tea, that's what then made me like Diet Pepsi when I came back. Mm. So that's why I'm a Diet Pepsi person now. Yeah. I don't know what caused me to go to Diet Pepsi. I think because I was a big Pepsi guy. Sure. If I had to choose between Pepsi and Coke, it was always Pepsi. So when I decided to cut down back on my calories... I went Diet Pepsi and thought there was to it. I love it. And now we've spent nine and a half minutes <laughs> talking about stuff that people on our podcast are just shaking their heads. About. Why are they talking about this? We're here to learn about life, yeah. leadership, and legacy Let me tell you something, through the lens man. of sports officiating. You can learn it by get, by not getting the sip and save at the, <laughs> at the Circle K gas station because you've just lost money. Now you had to drink something you didn't want to drink. That's right. Instead of just going, up, oh, I'm good. I walked away. I walked away. I'm like... I, you don't owe me anything. I, I drink said. Diet Coke, man. I, know. I drink Diet Coke. I still wanted my caffeine fix. Yeah, well. Still wanted it. Well, hey, everybody. We're going to talk about something today that hopefully is going to be impactful to your life, leadership, and legacy. And we are going to talk very clearly through the lens of sports officiating today. Uh, in our last uh, podcast that we put out, we talked about a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily on the court or on the field. Today, we're going to talk very specifically about stuff that happens on the court and field, but things that I think absolutely have a parallel when it comes to the boardroom mm-hmm. or when it comes to the classroom mm-hmm. or when it comes to the office or the factory floor or wherever else. Uh, today, we're, we're going to talk about something and I've, I've wanted to talk about this in different ways, but I hadn't had a real good set of terminology maybe to use for it. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about, you know, when do we know that enough's enough? Where do we know where the line is? You know, whether it comes to technical fouls or ejections. In fact, we just talked about it a few weeks ago about some of those kinds. Like, how do we do that? And 
you know, people that have done it for a long time, their phrase has always been, well, you'll know when you know. Mm -hmm. You'll you'll know it when you see it. You know, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. But the truth is, that's, that's just not the case for a lot of people. I recently... Um, had a couple conversations with Don Umland. Don is the National Coordinator of Officials for the NCAA Division III. Um, and Don was using a phrase repeatedly. At first, when he was talking about some officials who had to deal with some situations during uh, contests, and then as we were talking about some things that were going on in a contest, we were working, and the phrase he used was, well, how do you read the temperature in the room? What do you think the temperature of the room was? Mm -hmm. And he kept using this phrase over and over and over, the temperature of the room, the temperature of the room. Um, I'm right now we're recording this on a day when it's cold outside. Mm -hmm. My office is fairly chilly. My office is probably sitting 60 degrees or so right now. Right. It's, it's probably warmer than that, but yeah. it's fairly chilly. Yeah, it's right. Definitely. Okay? Not. So, we could add a lot of heat to this room and we would not be uncomfortable. Right. I mean, the temperature could shoot up by 10 degrees in here and like we wouldn't be peeling off layers or right. anything. Yeah. Right. It mm -hmm. could shoot up a lot. But if this room was sitting at 75 and all of a sudden the boilers in the room kicked on and it shot up 10 degrees, mm -hmm. we'd be uncomfortable quick. Mm -hmm. You know, we just would. And I, so I really liked when, when Don used that, that mental picture for me, okay, of the temperature in the room. Because I think that's something we can all relate to. When, when do we feel like it's getting hot? When do we feel like it's getting stuffy? And then we carry that over to the baseball field or the basketball court. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd, I'd like to share a, a story that happened for my series this weekend. Um, I had a four-game Division II series uh, that I was working um, game one, home team wins. Uh, not by a ton, but they won that game. Uh, game two, I'm on the plate. And the home team gets beat by a lot. I don't mean by a little. I mean, this is a conference that does not have a 10-run rule. Mm. If they had had a 10-run rule, we would have been at the 10-run rule. Mm -hmm. Would have been no issue. Uh, game three, I'm on the plate again. Because uh, the way this series worked, it's on, off, off, on. So depending on which one you were. So so I got played again for uh, for the next game. And again, would have been a 10-run game, home team losing. So home team has now gotten beat badly two games in a row. We go out and we are on game four. And within the first two innings of the game the home team's already down by like 13 runs mm. i mean it's 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 that bad and um immediately now it was a day where it was 84 degrees when i was out on the field and it was turf okay so oh. we could say that the actual <laughs> temperature yeah. of the room of the field yeah. was warm yeah but all of a sudden, like when when they jumped out to that big a lead mm -hmm. that quickly, mm -hmm. the temperature shot up. Sure. And because the temperature shot up, and I could feel that in the room, I started paying extra close attention to things 
we all know we should pay attention to them all the time. But when the temperature jumps up, we pay closer attention. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. Every time a home run was hit, my eyes are locked onto that batter runner. Because where is this bat flip going? That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? Every time there was a close play on a steal... Well, now we got a team upset that the other team's even stealing. stealing so right. I'm watching yeah. all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, we had a, a play happen where it was a ground rule double. Okay, I'm out in the field with this, and it's it's my call as to whether it's a home run or ground rule double. I call it ground rule double. The batting team, which is the visiting team, who's up significantly sure. at this point, mm-hmm. they're convinced it was a home run. Now, I know it's not. Because we know as, as umpires, we're trained to look for whether or not that ball crosses that yellow line. Mm-hmm. Right? They're convinced it's a home run. Head coach comes out on me. Right? So I go over to the first base line. He's in the first base dugout. I'm talking with him. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, that's a, that's a ground rule double. It's not a home run. He's like, I'm telling you, the, the guy was already at the wall. So if it bounced and, and went over, it had to be beyond the wall. I said, look, I, I can't tell you about that. I'm just telling you, the ball bounced on the turf. It crossed the yellow line and went over. Now, if I'd been smart in that moment, I would have said to him, look, on the other side of the wall, it's grass, not turf. It wouldn't have bounced like that. Hmm. if it had gone over the wall. I was not thinking quickly enough at that point. (laughs) All right? Right. Okay. But that's what happened. So now we have the the higher temperature of the room because it's already a blowout game. We now have an additional higher temperature because a team that's already winning by double digits is arguing whether a ball was a ground rule double or a home run. Right. Yep. With multiple runners on base, sure. by the way. Of course. Okay, so it's a question of, did we score two runs on this hit <laughs> or did we score four? Yeah. You know? So as I'm coming back out from the conversation with the coach, the now runner at second base and the shortstop start mouthing off at each other. The shortstop got upset at something somebody in the dugout said. The runner on second base is upset that the shortstop is saying something about his teammate in the dugout. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they start going at it, going at it, going at it, right? So immediately, I call time, big and loud. I put my hands up in the air, and I turn to the visiting dugout, and I point at the visiting dugout. I said, that's a warning to the entire team. I now turn to the home dugout. That's a warning to the entire team, we're done. Okay? Both the players where I was at knew exactly what was going on. They shut up. They went back to work. Right? At the end of the inning, home coach called me over. I run over. He says, Chad, what, what happened? I said, look, it's, it was just chippy. I said, and we don't, we don't need that in this game. Yeah. You know? I said, it was that. I said, so it's just a warning to everybody so things don't get out of hand. Sure. Mm -hmm. He looked at me. He said, thank you, Chad. Okay? Mm -hmm. Good. Good, right? So he wasn't upset that his team got a warning, right? He could have been like, oh, they're the ones that are being blah, blah, blah. They've been up for three games in a row now. No. Hey, thank you. The other coach, I 
trot over to him and goes, Chad, what happened? I said, I said it's, it's good old-fashioned competition, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, kind of play it off a little bit. I said, look, I said, they're getting into it over stuff. I said, the last thing we need in this series is something silly happening and it affecting your guys' next games after this. Mm-hmm. You know, a reminder that if we have ejections and we have stuff like that, it's going to affect your next game. This yeah. game's probably already won for you. Yeah, I think got this one in hand, right? You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's not do that. He's like, all right, no problem. Next half inning, one of the assistant coaches from that visiting dugout brings me a cup of water. First time that's happened. Convenient. The whole series, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, this, so checking check the water to make sure the water's okay. Yeah. No. no. And he comes out. Cloudy. And he said uh, the, the visiting team happened to be from Michigan. And uh, he came out to me and he said, hey, um, I want you to know I work football and basketball at the high school level up in Michigan. He said, I really appreciated the way you took charge of that situation out there. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, I, he goes, I, I know sometimes it feels like we have to do more babysitting than we do officiating. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that was his terminology, not mine. Sure. Right. It was his sure. terminology, but it was just his way of saying, I think, thank you for reading the temperature in the room mm-hmm. and for, dialing the thermostat back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's really what it was about. So now I, I say all this, we've now taken the first, you know, 10 minutes of this part of the discussion to kind of set the table for, we've seen all season long in Major League Baseball, people talking about officials inserting themselves where they don't belong. Mm-hmm. We've seen stuff at the collegiate level, people upset saying that, you know, officials are inserting themselves where they don't belong. And a lot of that has to do with the action clock because people still don't understand it. They don't get the rule. They don't get the stuff. They think, well, this guy just decided, no, the clock width is zero. We mm-hmm. have to make the call. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a no brainer. We have, that's the same as a ball landing fair or foul. We have to call it one way or the other. Right. You right. know, but there are times in some of these conversations that it's about how we as officials are setting up these situations how we are responding to these situations and what action we take. And I think a really great way for us to begin thinking of it is what's the temperature in the room? Because if the temperature is 60 and things pop up a little bit, I probably don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. If temperature is 75 mm-hmm. and it does, maybe I do. What What are your thoughts here, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean... You know, I, I call it know your audience, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The temperature of the room, know your audience, know your surroundings. All those things are are, uh, are must in order to handle these situations. I also believe that um, our, the best way for us to know our audience and to know the temperature of the room is you need to sit quietly and pay attention to it. You know, you, you can't, you're not going to know the temperature of the room if you're always running around in it and not even really paying attention to it and talking and, you know, doing these things that maybe you don't need to do when it's, uh, Ryan holiday has a book, uh, a couple books out there, but he talks about, he talks about stoicism. And I think it's important for us to be stoic in those times in order to read the room. If I go to, uh, we'll just say, 
you know, Christmas gathering. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, miniature Christmas. It's all right, man. (laughs) I go to a birthday party. 250 some odd days Uh, to hear about it. That's right. If I go to a birthday party and I, the room is full and I walk into the room, I am, if I sit quietly just for even a few minutes, I'm going to be able to read the temperature of the room. Mm -hmm. I'm going to know who's the one who's speaking out, who's the one who's sitting in the corner a little shy, who's birthday. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'll know all these things if I just sit quietly. It'll be harder for me to do if I come in guns a blazing. Hey, all right, I'm here, you know, la, 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 you know, and, you know, all these things. Where's the pop and where's, what's to eat and all those things where if I would have just sat quietly. Meanwhile, if I would have sat quietly, I would have found out that information. I would have, the birthday hat, girl wearing the birthday hat, that's the birthday person, you know. I would have known those things. So when we are on the baseball field, I think it happens more in baseball than it does basketball. I don't want to say always, but I think it, I think we just have more opportunities. Mm-hmm. As baseball umpires, we have more opportunities to, to, to have conversations with players and coaches. We just do because there's a little bit more dead time. Coach say, hey, where are you from? Whatever, how long you been umpiring? You know, first baseman's going, hey, where are you at tomorrow? You know, all these things happen. When we can sit quietly and we can hear a conversation between a first baseman and a first base coach, we can check the temperature of the room. Mm. Instead of trying to run this, you know, first baseman says a joke and umpire Jeff Cross says, well, I got one funnier than that, and I start getting into the mix. Meanwhile, I've lost control of the temperature of the room. Mm-hmm. Whether it's changing or not, I have no idea. So, and I and I understand, I understand we have this, this really um, – strong need for us to feel liked and to be liked and to, you know, like we want everyone to want us back and want everyone to feel warm and fuzzy when they see us walk up to the plate. All those things, we get it. But we're going we're gonna to make a difference on the field if we can understand the temperature is changing to be able to handle it directly and, and immediately. Mm-hmm. We're not going to make a whole lot of difference if we're, you know, chumming it up and meanwhile, things go south on you. You couldn't control it, or you couldn't. You didn't recognize the change as fast as you should have. You're going to be looked down upon. That's all there is to it. So we have those opportunities. We have those opportunities, as you even said earlier, in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm in a board meeting, if I'm in a meeting, and there's whatever seven, eight, ten of us, if I sit quietly for just a couple minutes, I'll figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out real quickly who thinks. They got, you know, who's going to have something really important to say? They have something on their mind that they've been waiting for this meeting for. Who's the person who's ready to go before they even started? I'll know all that just by sitting and watching and listening. And we tend to to ignore that because some people are very uncomfortable in silence. I've, this is a skill that I'm working on. You know, I understand 
I can learn a lot by not saying anything. <laughs> and it's hard for me because I am a extrovert. I would call myself an extrovert. So I want to speak and I want to be able to um, input to any event that I'm at. So, but I've, I found myself just, just a couple weeks ago, we had a family gathering or whatever it was. And I was kind of late getting to it Well, I walked in and I just was just, I was saying hello. I was being cordial, but I was just listening, just listening to kind of see where we're at as everyone, you know, everyone's pretty upset because we haven't taken a family picture yet. All right. I got that. Mm-hmm. We can fix those things. You know, I know the temperature of the room there. So um, we can use it in any, in, in any event, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of us struggle with that because we tend to uh, look at our individual strengths. Okay. I mean, here you are, somebody who's known, like, especially in the basketball world, you're known for your communication skills. So you could say, well, but but I'm so good at communicating with coaches. If I'm communicating with coaches during the game, then that puts us in a good spot. Not necessarily. You still have to pick and choose your moments. Mm-hmm. When, when you say be stoic, listen, it, it doesn't mean that you can't communicate. Right. But it means that you need to be using the listening side of your communication skills more than you're using the speaking side of your communication yeah. skills. And I will tell you, as an assigner, you know, sometimes I get frustrated. There'll be people that will say, well, you know, just just don't talk. Just go stand in the outfield. Just bobble, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's we're, we're taking it too far to the extreme, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say I, I have some I have some friends of mine. I have some guys that I think are really, really good umpires. And and somebody will say to me, well, what's, you know, hey, what's what's one thing they really need to work on? They talk too much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that simple. I'm crazy. You know, they talk too much mm-hmm. because they're going past the just cordial, the whatever, to even if even if everything they're doing is correct, it just it looks too chummy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you got, you got one first base coach that's really good at communicating back, so now they look super chummy. Mm-hmm. And then the other first base coach just wants to focus and do their thing. Well, yeah. now it looks like you're giving favoritism to one team versus the other. Yep. When that has, when it's not true, mm-hmm. but that's the optics of it. Yeah. Now, as a home plate umpire, I talk most of the game. Mm. I talk a lot during the game. But for me as a home plate umpire, that's how I am reading the temperature of the room. Mm-hmm. Because, so for instance, I had, I had a game, uh, it was during that same series. So I had a I had a plate game and I had to call strike three on my catcher from yes. one of the teams. And that, that's just right? not a good spot. On an inside fastball mm-hmm. that was right on the edge of the zone. Mm-hmm. And I got it. And he tried to say something to me. And I, I said, hey, I've given you that pitch all day long when you're behind a plate. Mm-hmm. He came back out. He mumbled something about it. Now, this is a kid that he and I had been communicating during the entire game. He he's a catcher that liked to talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because I was engaging in doing that, yeah, yeah. Guess yeah. what? That next inning, he didn't say a word. The the, the temperature of the room has changed. The temperature. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's so right. so I know now. Yeah. If I had not been engaging with him mm-hmm. in the game up till then, I may not have realized that mm-hmm. the temperature changed. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I did. But because I I do that, then. When they communicate, you can tell, even if it's not that the communication stops, you can tell when it 
changes. Mm -hmm. They've gone from asking questions to making statements, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, where'd you have that one? Mm -hmm. I had that just off the plate. Mm -hmm. Chad, that one's on the plate. Yep. Okay, that's a different temperature. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just is. So I've, I've seen that happen. I, I know what it's like, but especially when we're out working bases, or especially when it comes to coach communication, that kind of thing, us dialing that back, I think is super helpful. Now, if you want to watch people who typically are really, really good at reading the temperature of the room, go watch middle school and high school teachers. Hmm. Here's why I say that. You'll have a you'll have a middle school or a high school teacher that'll come into the classroom one day and they'll quickly read the temperature of the room and it'll be jokes and it'll be goofing off and it'll be doing that and it'll be interactive games trying to get the kids involved and connected and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And the very next day with that same exact class, it might be, all right, guys, uh, we got to buckle down. We got to do this study guide. We got to fly through this stuff. So I need you hanging with me and doing this. And we're just going to focus and go. Well, it's the exact same group of kids. Yeah, right. The exact same period covering the exact same subject material. Mm -hmm. Why one day is it, oh, we're going to be happy, fun, do whatever. And the next day we got to work, work, work. Well, it may be. That the day that's happy fun day, he knows they just came out of a fitness test in PE, mm -hmm. right? And they're they're exhausted and they're going to have a hard time focusing and all that. And so he's read that temperature because he knows those kids. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, okay, I got to do something to get them in with me. And so he's read the temperature of the room. We're going to make interactive fun. The next day he knows, well... You know, they were playing basketball and PE before they came in. Everything was fine. No big deal. But because yesterday what happened, now we got to fly through some material. Yeah. So now the, the temperature of the room is different. Mm -hmm. Could do different things. For us as officials, if the temperature of the room is different, we can do different things. There are some officials that like to use humor when they communicate. Now, we've talked before. You got to be careful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's it. You know when you can't use humor? Yeah. It's when the temperature of the room's hot. Right. It's not open mic night out there, man. Nope. Mm -hmm. If temperature's 60, 65, you might get away with using humor. You could try it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If that temperature's 75 plus, don't you dare try to use humor. I would say that us as umpires or teachers or anyone in, I'm going to call it a leadership position, and you kind of alluded to it, but ultimately we need to be the thermostat. Yep. We need to be the one is that, you know, just in this past week, I've had my air condition on. I've had it off. I've had my heat on. I've had my heat off and I had back to air condition. You know, we've done all those things. Oh, yeah. So we need to understand that I am or we are the thermostats. We are the ones that's going to dial the, the heat down. We're going to be the ones that like, oh, it's kind of cold in here. Let's see if we can heat it up a little bit. You know, not make it unbearable, but make it a little bit more comfortable for someone. So that is our job. And the better you are at that, um, the better you will be at just doing your job. Mm -hmm. you, you will be. Because when you, can, when you can understand the temperature changing and you can make your adjustments to bring the heat down a little bit, 
makes it a lot easier to do your job. makes it yeah. a lot easier to see balls and strikes when you ain't got to be watching on the corner of your eyes. You ain't got to be listening to barking from both sides. When, when you don't have to do that, it's so much easier to concentrate on that one thing you need to do. So, you know, I've, I've always said in the past, and I think we've even discussed it, is, you know, a good official wants to be in a, ch- a chameleon, right? You mm-hmm. want to be able to blend in when, in any situation. I think we also probably need to add, you need to be a great thermostat. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to know when to adjust automatically. And we need to be in it. It kicks in. Yep, kicking on. Get too hot in here. Air's going to come on, and we're going to cool it off. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes your air conditioner's got to run a little bit longer than you want it to run to get it cooled down to a room that is a room temperature that is manageable. You know what I find is funny is that there are times that we just instinctively get what this means. So. Let's say you go work a junior high baseball game. Mm-hmm. All right. You work a junior high ba- baseball game and there's a player who in the very last inning comes up to bat and the smallest uniform they had is way too big to be on this kid. And even though the hat has the adjustable snaps on the back, can't get it small enough to fit right on his head. Sure, sure. You know, and the bat that he has to carry because of the junior high requirements is so big, he can barely swing the thing around. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Okay. So that kid, and, and the, they're losing by eight runs, and there's two outs in the bottom of the last inning. And that kid comes up to bat. Mm-hmm. Right? If you are reading the temperature of the room, nobody on either side is going to be upset if that kid gets a hit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Or even grabs a walk. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. If you're a little generous with that zone in that moment, mm-hmm. nobody's going to say boo. Yep. Right. Now, let's say it's the. Let's say instead now it's the top of that inning. The visiting team is up by eight and the cleanup batter comes up to bat, mm-hmm. right? Okay. If that cleanup batter gets a walk and he takes his bat and he throws his bat up in the air, puts his fists up in the <laughs> air like Rocky yeah. and cheers the entire way to first base, mm-hmm. we've probably got a problem. Yeah. But if that kid in the bottom of that final inning who it's his very first time up to bat Mm -hmm. and he's scared to death and he gets a walk and he throws his bat up in the air and he raises his fist like Rocky (laughs) as he trots down to first base. Is anybody going to care? No. No In fact, the parents on the other team are probably cheering for that kid. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now we could say if, if we're going to officiate the rules as written, we could say, but they were both the same act. They Mm -hmm. ought to be penalized the same. Mm -hmm. But the difference is they happened in different temperatures. Right. You know, we've been huge in college baseball this year about bat flips. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a really big deal, right? We don't want it happening. Um, and so almost every coordinator out there has said, if you eject, eject somebody for a bat flip, I will absolutely go to bat for you no, no matter what. I will. You are going to be defended, right? Mm-hmm. And the people starting to split hairs. Well, was the bat flip at one dugout or was it at the other dugout whatever right okay well again i could say if i was on that game yesterday where teams get beat by double digits you know you get a freshman that comes in you know and it's his first at bat of the year 
and they're down by 14 runs, and he gets a solo shot that squeaks it out. If he takes his bat hmm. and flips it on his way around the bases, probably not an ejection. Yeah, right. Like, probably nobody going to care. Mm-hmm. But the kid that's already hit two bombs in the game for the team that's winning by 14 mm-hmm. runs, yep. he pops one and flips that bat. It's a different temperature. Yep. Probably needs to be a different penalty. And, and I, I think because we as officials, we want to be fair. Like I hear that word all the time. Well, it's not fair. I mean, I've been a parent for a while now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a parent for over 21 years. There are lots of things that I could not do fairly with my kids. Right. Can't do the same, right. Because they're different kids. Mm-hmm. It's not about what's fair. It's about what's right. Yep. And in those two situations I just gave, it would be right to ignore the bat flip of the one kid. Or at most, hey, man, next time, I need you to, I need you to keep that. You know, make it look like you've done it before or something mm-hmm. like that. I know right. you haven't, but make it look like you <laughs> have, it. right? Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Whereas on the other one, a hey, coach, he's got to go. Mm-hmm. And the coach is going to know because the coach knows the temperature of the room. Right. Yeah. And we we need to understand that it's it's being fair. Or, you know, it's the same as the same, but it, it's not mm-hmm. when – is you speak about your kids, and if I look at my kids, well, when my son stays out past curfew because he's out with his buddies, and my daughter stays out for curfew because it was after a game and she had to finish cleaning up the gym, mm-hmm. those are two different scenarios. Yeah. Even though they're both after curfew. Mm-hmm. Everything was treated the same. Everything's still late, still no one called. I'm going to treat those two differently. Sure. And that's what we, you know, that's that's what we have to understand. And most adults are going to understand that the temperature is different. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they don't. And sometimes we just have to explain it, you know. And just to give you uh, a little example, a uh, game last weekend, it, it was, the game was decided. Mm-hmm. I was on the plate. Curveball may or may not caught the front edge, sure. you know, and it curved away, and I called it a strike. And uh, the batter looks back to me. You know, he's up. They're up, whatever, 14 nothing or something like that. He goes, is that the furthest edge? I'm like, 14 to nothing? Yeah, it's probably the furthest edge. <laughs> he goes, I get it. You know what I mean? Yep. He knew what was happening. He understood the temperature. Yeah, he gets yep. it. And I have to maybe I have to remind him what the temperature is also. Yeah. Because sometimes as a competitor, we don't do that. Yeah. Where um that same series, right? Same you know, you get you get these series. I get I get every day is a double header. That's, right, That's what man. I get. Every day is a double header. Um, where I'm on the bases, a kid gets hit. And he gets called for moving into the path of the ball, dead ball strike, and he happened to be the first baseman. And uh, so I'm reading the temperature of the room, right? He just got he, – now he's out. This is the big kid, probably the number three or number four hitter, you know, had a chance to maybe score some runs or at least bump up his batting average. And he gets hit. And I said, uh, so, you know, did you lean into it? He goes, I don't know. He said, I'm competing, so I could have done anything. <laughs> 
And I and I said I appreciate your honesty there. Yeah. Because again, I'm not saying he didn't or didn't. We don't know if it's the calls right or not. Because you know we were kind of just talking back and forth, and the temperature of the room was decent enough where I could say, so you know, did you lean? What happened there? Did you lean into it? And he was willing to give himself up in that situation, where because if if I maybe I safe to play and he asked me about it, I could give myself up. You know what? You might have got him. I may have made a bad call there. We can do those things if we understand the temperature of the room. But I'm not going to ask that to that kid in the bottom of the ninth when the winning run was at third. Yeah. And now he's got the last. I don't want to know that. Right. I don't need to know that. Right. <laughs> this is the second inning. Yeah. You know, we still have a chance to to have some communication and read the temperature of the room. So. Yeah, no, I like it. You know what? We'd love to hear from you all. You know, what are some situations where maybe you read the temperature of the room and got it right and it it, it made everything smoother? Maybe what are some times when you read the temperature wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes those stories can help us just as much as, as anything else. I've, I've seen that. I've seen people out on the field or the court and they take a nice chilly 65 degree game and they turn it to 95 real quick mm-hmm. because of the way they respond to a coach or a player or whatever. Um, and, and we'd love to hear about those too, because it, it helps us all. I would even say, you know, our body language, as soon as we walk on is going to help the temperature of the room. Sure. It's going to help. You got to have a body language that not necessarily seems like they're, you know, oh, this is you know King of the Hill coming in. But you gotta have some body language like I feel safe that things gonna things are gonna be under control, even though I'm even though we just lost by one run on a walk off homer that he bat flipped us on. Yeah. And now we gotta play again. They wanna see that body language so that way they, they feel a little bit safer. So work on your body language. Work on just the way you walk, just the way you stand, just the way you wear your hat, just the way you, you know, move from position to position. Just the way you give your signals, if you can have strong body language in those scenarios, that is going to go a long way when the temperature of the room gets a little hot. You're, you know, there are people are going to see that dial in you. Like, even if you have to speak softly to say big words, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to sp- speak loudly to say small words. Mm-hmm. And we can do that and still control the temperature of the room. Yeah, you know, our friend Alan Jones, who's been on the podcast before, mm-hmm. he uses the the terminology of command presence, yeah, which is mm-hmm. something they talk about in law enforcement, you know, which says, hey, I'm, I'm not a threat, but I am in command, you know, and that's what we want to be as officials in those moments. And, and then the other part of that body language is if your body language changes when the temperature goes up, that elevates the temperature anymore, even That's more. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if your body language is the same beginning to end, regardless of the temperature, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the actions don't change. Yeah. Doesn't mean that the repercussions don't change. Mm-hmm. But if your actions can stay the same regardless, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, it can help us get through to the end of that contest. That's right. Yep. Even get through that moment. Yeah. Get through that moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We hope this has been another beneficial uh, few minutes for you as you've been listening to not only find out about why I like Diet Pepsi instead of Diet Coke, but Sip also learn a little bit more <laughs> about the temperature of the room. And we hope this helps you manage the thermostat, that you'll be the right thermostat when you need to crank it up or crank it down and be able to handle what takes place regardless of the contest you're working, whether it's on the court, on the field, in the boardroom, at the house, in the classroom, wherever it might be for you this week. Have a great week, and we'll see you all again soon. Talk to you soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating.